Welcome to HR Spark Leadership Edition. I'm your host, Bill Hicks, and I'm here today with Kevin Dietz, the Chief Accounting Officer of Ambridge Hospitality. Ambridge is the leader of hotel management. They're based out of Plano, Texas, and if you stayed in a hotel recently, there's a good chance you stayed in one of their properties. Thanks for joining us today. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Bill. So tell us a little bit about what a chief accounting officer does. So the chief accounting officer is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of, of the accounting function. And so that encompasses the accounts payable, payroll, tax, and basically the, the general monthly closing. So for a chief accounting officer, I, I would almost assume when you're managing over 700 hotels, that's a critical line of business just because of the wide range of critical administrative work that has to be done. What's the requirement of an organization to have such a role? So there is, there's an extreme amount of organization and um, management that goes along with that. And so um, as a centralized accounting shop, we are basically supporting 700 hotels on a daily basis. And so the communication between us in the hotels and then um, us within the corporate office is, is a really critical piece of our business. And you mentioned you have the payroll team, you have all the assets around, the true accounting pieces of the business. That's right. Uh, so what's your background? How did you end up becoming a chief accounting officer? I actually started my career down in Miami with Arthur Anderson and then uh, moved over to Ernst & Young. And so um, I had an opportunity a few years ago to, to leave South Florida, come to Dallas and work for Goldman Sachs when they were buying buying up a bunch of hotels. And so that got me hooked up with Ambridge, uh, which I, I took a job with them about three and a half years ago. So I jumped over from the ownership side to the hotel management side. And that's the path I've, I've taken. You've had a lot of different roles in major firms that we've all heard of. How did you become a manager? Like when did that pop into your career journey? So I didn't technically make manager until I was five or six years into my career, but I really started managing from the first day that I went to work. Because those firms focus on, on working with people and leading teams, um, management is such a big part of their, their training curriculum. So really from, from an early start, I was exposed to kind of the management principles and um, really enjoyed that side of the business. So that's interesting. You, you, it sounds like you got out of school, you go work for Arthur Anderson, almost instantaneously, you're managing without the title. That's right. And you say you liked it. So what was it that said, this, this is something I'm into? What, what made you like the management component? So to me, management was always common sense, right? And oh. it was connecting with people. And it was something I was pretty good at. And um, I went away to college. I left Florida for a little bit and kind of went to a school where I didn't know anybody. And so it forced me to to connect with people and so management is really just um, an extension of that right dealing with people connecting with them um, so I, I didn't look at it like work doing technical accounting work I just looked at it as more of a social aspect and um, that's why I fell in love with it and then how did you do the transition of okay now I'm, I'm, I'm I maybe don't have the title but I'm managing individuals and you're in this situation where you are telling people what to do sure because that's different than being in school and socializing with people. Now you're telling people what to do. Like, how did that happen? You know, it, it, was, it was a challenge. Anytime you're telling somebody what to do, it, it's intimidating. And you're a little bit insecure about 
you know, how they're receiving the message. But at the end of the day, the work's got to get done. You know it's going to be accountable to you. So you can either choose to do it yourself, um, not very effective, or you can really invest your energies in managing your people and getting the most out of them. So I made a decision early on I was going to do the latter. So what advice can you give our listeners on how you manage that growth? Sure. The biggest thing I did when I came in was um, I tried to get a really good team around me that reported directly to me, people that I could trust. So a lot of these people I had known in prior lives or had, had connected with um, through a professional network, and I knew these guys were all stars. Um, so what I've been told, what I've, what I've learned is that if you're an A player, you go out and hire A players. So I went out and hired a bunch of A players, and the organization was very good about supporting me and letting me do that. And immediately I felt a, a sense of relief now that I had a really good team in place. Um, and so after that, I let them build the team. You know, I you empowered that, them. Not that, yeah, I did. Not that my job was done, but um, I, I was sharing the burden with five or six other people and uh, it, was, it was really successful. So that's a great point. You <clears throat> found your first wave of strong leaders through previous relationships. That's right. What advice would you give future leaders of, of how to do that networking, to, to meet the Kevins in, in the future? Networking, professional networking, is not something um, most people like to do, and so I would really encourage people to, to get outside their comfort zone and attend uh, events where, where they have professional networking available um, and really really make it their job to know who's in their industry and who the players are because you never know when you're going to run into those people again. Um, you know, case in point, Ambridge. When you are in a rapid growth situation, rely on your network to find great talent. Build a team that you can trust and empower that team to build their teams, trust them. So Kevin, you mentioned earlier that you really started out managing almost right out of your professional career. That's right. But who helped you? Like, tell us a little bit, paint a picture of if you're either your best mentor or your greatest leader that you were for that really helped you. But what I wanna hear is why that person helped your career so much. Sure. So really two people um, were instrumental in my growth and, and leadership. and two people for two different reasons. And so um, the first one was, was my dad. So he was in the finance industry. And so when he was retiring and winding down and I was starting my career, uh, we crossed paths and I ran into a lot of people that he had worked with um, um, in the area. And they all had the same thing to say about him, that he was, he was a real tough man, um, but that he was a great leader and people loved working for him and they would do anything for him. And so that resonated with me as, as something that I wanted to shoot for. And so I've always tried for that dynamic in my leadership style. And you had to feel proud about your dad to hear that Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Everybody's great. proud of their, their yeah, dad, right? That's great, yes. Yeah, and so um, that stuck with me. And then uh, when I came over to Goldman, my, my boss, CFO, um, he, was, he was very inspirational. And so what he taught me was how to navigate um, an organization and relate to every single level. So he was good at dealing with his peers in the department, but he was also really good at, you know, coming up to a senior staff, sitting down next to them and um, getting dirty, getting his hands dirty, and um, 
he was never above anything, so he could relate to, to people at that level. And so people saw that, and they, they, they knew that was real, and so that was always something I admired. The same hand, he could go do a board presentation and meet with the highest people at the company and switch gears. So I always admired that as just something I'm, I'm working on and just uh, something I think I'm doing, but you know, I'm always challenging myself to get better at. It sounds like you had two great shining lights to kind of beacon towards to help you. Absolutely. So how do you correlate that thinking that you have a team of individuals and you have people who are outside of your span of control looking at you how do you carry that responsibility uh, in your daily work life? So I, I've gotten to a point where I feel very comfortable in the organization and what I'm trying to do is um, step back a little bit and get out of the way of some of these leaders that are coming up and give them some more exposure to our CFO and CEO, COO, so that they can start um, feeling confident in building those skills and those relationships. Um, and at the same time, I think we're all on the same page in terms of how we, how we interact with our staff. Everybody's very hands-on when we need to be, um, and nobody's too busy to help anybody out on the team. Oh, that's a great trait. Nobody's too busy, but you're giving them an opportunity to show what they can do. But also, you're get, it gives you an opportunity, I'm assuming, that, that helps you have more capacity Absolutely. to do other things. Absolutely. And they all have that same mindset, which is refreshing. Everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction. Well, Kevin, I think you know, one of the things we always want to let our listeners hear about is just really great advice, stuff people could take away with. Uh, if you were thinking of your future leaders coming up through your organization, what's that one tidbit of advice that you would share with them to do like the leadership whisper that you could help them with? Um, and this, this kind of comes back to you know, talking about my father and what he taught me uh, was he said, it's going to be amazing when you get out in the workforce and you realize that not everybody has common sense and you kind of take it for granted. Um, and so I've taken that and try, tried to do some very simple things as a leader, um, follow through, um, communication, stuff like that, that it just sounds simple, right? And everybody takes for granted, but I can see, I've seen where things fall apart real quickly. Um, without following up on emails and, and being a reliable person, um, without keeping those um, around you informed. And everybody thinks they're a good communicator, but um, really beauty is in the eye of the beholder on that one. You've, you've got to talk to your people and see how you're doing there to get a gut check. Um, but I try to over-communicate um, to make sure that I'm covered there. Common sense leadership advice. Follow through. Do what you say you're going to do. Communicate. Talk to your people. Get a gut check of what's going on. Be reliable and be available for your people. So in your role of managing a large accounting team, you clearly work with a wide range of other organizations or departments within Ambridge. Mm -hmm. How do you work through building those relationships? I, I think um, it's important to be objective and your departmental goals and let them know that you're in it for them and the company and you're not just trying to stick your neck out for your own department or your people and once they see you're willing to invest and in what they're trying to accomplish um, they're going to work with you on the on the flip side on your stuff um, so having that relationship with each one of the department heads I think is, is productive for me as a leader but it's productive for the company 
because uh, the greater good of the company is always kept intact. So how, what, what tips would you share on how you partner with other organizations? You walk through a little bit about how you try to share with them, but do you have bilateral leadership meetings? Do you go to lunch with them? Like, what do you do to make sure that there's a bond with your business partners internally? So I think the, the most important and basic thing is just to establish the relationship there and the trust. Um, and, you know, it it's, could be something as informal as lunch. And, you know, hey, what are you guys going through? And take the time to invest in, in their world. And then I think it'll be reciprocated. They'll ask you about your world. And then I think what will come out of that is, well, here's how I can help Kevin's department. And then for me, here's how I can help so-and-so's department. And you start getting those synergies there. And, and, and how do you help with the fact that, you know, I think of people that if I'm in IT or I'm in operations or I'm in HR, I mean, you obviously have a lot of individuals within your company. How do you make sure that you're aligned? There's, there's synergies among the different business units that you have operational goals and, and I'm an IT executive. How do you try and work through your alignment of goals? So I think you kind of start at the end of where you want to go organizationally and um, you get in a room and you, you kind of talk through who owns what piece and well, I like um, that. everybody feels empowered, they've got responsibility, but they also understand what the other departments are doing and um, it's kind of a big picture approach where you're thinking macro for the company, but you're acting micro and over the things you can influence within your department. So how do you help build your own personal development? Like what do you do for you to make you a better leader? I constantly challenge myself to stay connected um, to my team. So it gets harder and harder to do as the team grows and it gets bigger and your responsibilities grow and you're busier. You just want to shut the door sometimes to get your work done. Um, but I really challenge myself to you know, when somebody has a question, invite them in, spend some time with them, and stay connected. And I think that is going to pay dividends because they're going to feel like, hey, you know, my boss really cares about me. Um, he's supporting me. And, and once you get away from that, it you get disconnected from your team, and I, that could be a dangerous thing. I'm curious because as part of the reason you must do that is it's giving you greater insight into what's going on within your team. That's it's right. obviously it's helping that individual get better, but the real investment is you're getting a broader vantage point. Like, how do you, how do you work through that? What do you do with that information? So, um, you know, your, your point is keeping your hand on the pulse of the department and the company by, um, you know, working with the, the people that are doing all the work and uh, making, the, making the machine go. So, um, I like to sit down and kind of compare notes with my managers and directors and say, hey, you know, I talked to so-and-so and this is where their thought is and I want to get their feedback and make sure we're all just sharing information uh, because they're going to have a different perspective from me and I can use that information that I picked up um, and say, you know, I think you might need to help this person with X um, and they might not see it from where they're standing because they had a different conversation. So I'm really just trying to recycle all the information I get um, and, and make it useful and meaningful. And put your smarts into it to, sure. to make a good decision. Sure. I think one of the most important things just being in a leadership role is, the, is finding great people and helping them grow. Uh, what do you look for when you're recruiting for individuals? We've come across this a lot at Ambridge just because we've been hiring so, so furiously. Um, but we go to the college campuses and we tell the, the students three things. 
if you're smart and you're willing to work hard and you can get along with people, we can teach you the rest. And so we're pe pulling people out of the schools that aren't necessarily accounting majors. They may be business majors or hospitality majors. And we, we feel like that resonates with people and we can do the development, the professional development. And if you've got that core, um, those core three things, we can work with you. So how do you find those? I mean, one of them was smart. So I guess you're looking at grades. Sure. Or past record. One of them was working hard. Yep. How do you find that? So you just dig in a little bit with, um, you know, they don't have that much work experience, at least professional work experience to speak of, but you listen to how they approach work and approach the jobs they've had or approach their projects in school. And I think you can tell a lot of, of how motivated uh, somebody is and how hard they're going to work for you based on those conversations. And then the other one was working with others. Sure. That's another one that that's feels a little squishy. How do you, how do you figure that one sure. out? Sure. It's real squishy, but if you have a five or ten minute conversation with people, I think you get a real good feel for who they are and how they're able to, to handle themselves. Um, and it's kind of nice because we actually know a lot of these students through people we've hired and um, we're able to kind of background check them, you know, very informally. So, so with that, uh, I always think finding great people, I love like that great interview question. What's your like go-to great interview question? So when I interview people, I, I really just want to focus on their short-term goals and, and see working backwards if that lines up with the, the expectations of the job. So I don't really care for the, where do you see yourself in 30 years? Right. Because who, who knows what that is? And, um, I know, I don't know where I'm going to be in 30 years. Sure, and, and everybody goes into college thinking they're going to do one thing and they come out on the other side and 30 years later they're doing something completely different. So if I can take a, maybe a three-year look at where people are and see if that lines up with what, what I'm doing, I think that's a, good, uh, that's a good benchmark. Okay, I like that. You're saying, hey, I want to get references, I want to know these people, because you're right, you're investing in them. Uh, and then how do you handle the fact of, I'm in the journey, we've hired these individuals, and we have a concern. How do you help your leaders manage through a challenging situation with an employee? I, I believe in direct feedback, and so that's when they're doing good and when they're doing bad. And It's back to your over-communicate. That's right. And so if you've got something to say that that's going to help somebody, good or bad, um, you, you need to let them know, right? Um, you don't want them wondering. So if you diagnose a problem early and you let people know it's a problem, you don't get to the pips or anything like that, I think everybody is, is more upfront and invested about kind of resolving and working through those issues. When finding new talent, these are the steps that Ambridge follows. If you are smart, hardworking, and get along with people, they will worry about teaching you the rest. They listen to how the candidate approaches work, be it school projects, outside challenges, or community efforts. And they focus on what are the candidate's short-term goals. Do they align with the job expectations? You know, we go to conferences, we go to events, we listen to other podcasts, and we hear great advice. Can you share with me an example of a piece of great advice that you actually made it happen in your business model. Sure. Our last um, annual sales conference, we had a speaker from the Navy come talk to us about em empowering people. And I always thought I was really good at it, and I couldn't really put my finger on why I was good at it, but 
what he said resonated with me. It was what I was already doing, but he just kind of crystallized it. So he had a dynamic where um, he would tell people, bounce stuff off of me, make a decision, and let me know what you're going to do. And if I don't reply back within a certain amount of time, you run with it and you go with it. Okay. As opposed to, can I do this? And you have to wait for your boss to get back to you. So I've adopted the same thing. In fact, I think it's something that I've always done is, hey, we're too busy to be waiting for the answers. Why don't you guys go ahead and, and come up with your own answers? And if I really, really want to weigh in, I think it's that important, I'll weigh in. And if not, um, you'll make a decision. We'll all live with it together. But the most important piece to that is living with it together and not second-guessing your employees. And do you have any guidelines around like communication channels? It's a phone call or a text or an email, or is it just whatever yeah, makes sense? Whatever makes sense, right? We're all moving fast, and some people are phone people. I'm a phone person. Some people um, are text, are emails. But whatever lets you communicate with your team that, hey, I'm making a decision. Here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm making this decision. You run with it and uh, give them the opportunity to, to veto, and if not, we're all moving forward. So you give them that chance. Absolutely. And, and what I've always told them is, you know, you're gonna make 10 decisions a day. Six of them you're gonna nail, they're gonna be dead on, right? Two of them, you know, could go either way. And the other two are gonna be completely wrong. But you know what? In my eyes, you're batting 700 maybe, and um, 700 is better than not batting at all. So I love the idea. You're, you're, you're letting your, your, your team members know it's okay to make a mistake. Absolutely. But sometimes those mistakes can be big and, and, and you're taking responsibility. Hey, there's a mistake. I'll take responsibility for that. The successes, those will be yours. It's kind of what you're, exactly. you're saying there. Uh, how do you work through with the leadership team at Ambridge when those mistakes occur that you're taking responsibility for that? It, it comes back to trust, right? I'm asking my team to trust me and in turn, I'm, I'm getting that trust from my, my superiors. That's good. And so when you have that, you're secure in making decisions and you know, you're gonna have to do a postmortem with them, but as long as they understand that everybody's making good decisions based on the information they have and they're, they're supporting you, it's, it's a very comfortable and natural thing. Well, and I think there's a balance in there, right? Because you're, you're taking this approach to get greater velocity out of your team because you're not slowing the decision-making process down by bureaucracy. You're speeding it up because you're getting to that point. It's almost the concept of Stephen Covey's speed of trust. You're trusting each other to make great decisions. Absolutely. So Kevin, earlier you mentioned you've, your team went from 30 individuals to 200. Ambridge has grown so quick that it's the leader in its space as far as is hotel management. What pearls of wisdom would you share with our listeners on how do you manage that growth? How do you, you're in the fire and you're fighting through it and there, there's gonna be hope on the other side. How do you help individuals go through that? You know, we went through a lot with system conversions and hiring up and we all knew it was gonna be, it was gonna be rough, right? It wasn't a stable state, but everybody had confidence in each other that we've got all the right people here. So we're going to make it as good as it, could, as it could possibly be, and we're going to get through this and uh, look forward to getting to the other side. If you don't have that trust in your peers and, and the people around you and your direct reports, um, you're not going to get there. 
And it sounds like you knew this was a trajectory you were going down, so it's not like it was a surprise, which back to your over-communicate, if you know you're gonna go down this path, it's probably helpful. Would you agree, I mean? Yep, everybody knows what they're in for, and you kind of throw everything in the boat and get ready for the next big wave, um, but you know you're gonna get out on the other side. And, and, and I think it also in that model, there has to be an opportunity that there's gonna be uh, greater accessibility or greater acceptance of risk. Even though you're a chief accounting officer, risk should be like the last thing you wanna think about, but you know that's gonna be out there. Does that feel like a fair statement? Yeah, and you call it risk, and, and I would call it change, and that's what people are most uncomfortable with. But if you get people um, resigned to the fact that my world is going to be a lot different um, tomorrow than it was today, and they're comfortable, I, I think you'll, they'll start thriving with that change, and then pretty soon things will, will steady out. So that's great advice. You know, One calls it risk, one calls it change, but I think the thing I would highlight of that whole piece there is recognizing our differences and our vantage points can help us as we go through that journey. Absolutely. And, and people are, are naturally afraid of change, but if you just tell them, hey, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, they're a little bit more invested in the change and they feel like they're part of the process and it's not changing on them, they're changing it. And I think that's great advice to anybody that's in a business model that's changing. I know you do a lot of acquisitions in your environment, so you're constantly changing. But if you back to over-communicate, the change is coming and why you're doing it, it gives everybody some knowledge of why the business is going through what it's going through. Absolutely. And the other thing to that is let them have a voice in the change, right? Let them know that if they've got input, that input is going to be heard and it's going to shape the way... Um, we change. So we acquired four companies and we changed our processes and we didn't go with company A or company B. Um, we went with a little bit of the best of all the companies and we just said this isn't company A's way of doing it or company B's. This is just the way and everybody got on board with that. They felt like they had a part in that. And that's confidence, right? When you know that your way is not the best way and you're able to seek knowledge to find a better way, that's, that's leading with confidence. So I congratulate you in taking that Thank mindset. You. Thank you. Well, Kevin, thanks again for your time today, and we appreciate all the insights you shared with us. And thank you for the time and listening to HR Spark Leadership Edition. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.